Good morning, everyone. So good to see you all and to worship with you on this fall kickoff. I want to extend a special welcome to all of you who are at our Minnetonka campus and all of you who are over worshiping in the chapel. And then there's also some of you who are still at your cabins and you're watching online. Wherever you're at, we're so glad that you are with us this morning as we worship. And we take a pause in all of our worship experiences at Calvary where we have the opportunity to invest into God's mission. And what I want you to hear is this is not something that we do out of pressure or obligation. It's not a have to, it's a get to. It's a way that we can show our faith and trust in God through the giving of our resources. It's a reminder that God calls us to give our first and our best, and then he will bless the rest. And so if you brought a gift that you'd like to invest into God's mission, which is making a difference around the world with all of our missionaries and mission partners, it's super easy to do so. You can drop it off in one of the offering boxes as you leave your worship space after the service, or you can always go to calvary.org give. And we are so grateful for your ongoing support and your partnership in the gospel. Also, before we dive into the message, we just want to take a moment and acknowledge the day that we're living into today to remember uh, the terrorist attacks that took place on September 11th uh, years ago and just to remember the, all the people that were impacted by that, all the families that were impacted by that day, to remember them in our prayers and also all that gave their life, all of the service people, all of the law enforcement and firefighters uh, on that tragic event. And it's a reminder, I think, of the brokenness of our world and how we need to keep pressing in in prayer to see God's peace uh, sweep across the globe. And so just remember today to take a moment to do that. So as we jump in today, what my goal is, is to challenge you to think about faith and about Christianity in a little different way. You see, I think one of the things that these past number of years have shown us with all of the political and economic and societal turmoil that we've been through, one of the things that's been very obvious is that there is a gap within Christianity between what we claim to believe and then what we actually do in our daily life. You know, Jesus was crystal clear about our calling, about the values that we should have, about how we are called to love one another, period how we are called to serve others. And in fact, if you wanna be great in his kingdom, the best way to do that is to serve others, to go last and not first. Jesus was clear that unity, especially within the church, is of the highest importance. In fact, the last prayer that Jesus prayed for you and for me was that we would be one, all of the body of Christ around the world. And yet I think it's pretty clear also as we've tracked through these past couple of years that in many ways Christians and the large C church has reflected the worst impulses of our culture. While continuing to hold tightly to beliefs, we've often behaved and responded in not so healthy ways. You see, I think a big problem today 
in the church and within Christianity is that we claim to believe one thing, but then we do something else. You see, oftentimes we've boiled Christianity down to what we believe, but instead I think we are called to something more. We're called to follow. Now, don't get me wrong, beliefs are important. It's important to know what we believe, but I think we are called to so much more than that. Because when Jesus started to call his first disciples, he didn't go to them and say, come believe in me. He didn't give them a detailed belief statement about himself. He didn't invite them to some organized religion that was all spelled out in a document. No, instead of saying, come believe in me, he said, come follow me. And I think an amazing thing, if you read through the gospels, is to see how many of the disciples chose to follow Jesus, but they still didn't really believe in him. In fact, some of the disciples took two years to become believers but all the while they were still following him. If you look at John chapter six, there's this turning point in Jesus's ministry where some of the kind of periphery followers decide, I don't think this is all cracked up, you know, what we thought it was gonna be. I'm not sure we really wanna do this. And so they decided not to believe in Jesus and they just went home. But at that moment, there were also some disciples who decided finally, okay, we do believe in Jesus. And then if you fast forward a little bit further to when Jesus died on the cross and then he rose again on Easter, again, we see that the disciples who had traveled with him and they had learned from him and they had done ministry with him, they still didn't really believe Jesus was who he said. And we know that because none of them set up lawn chairs at the tomb and counted down from 10 at sunrise on Easter morning. None of them, they all ran and they hid away. They were not fully convinced that Jesus was actually gonna do what he said he was gonna do. They didn't actually believe until they saw him again in person. You see, what we see here is that it is possible to follow Jesus even before you believe in Jesus. And that means wherever you're at today, It's okay, it's okay to doubt, it's okay to have questions, it's okay to not have it all figured out. Jesus instead just says, come follow me, take a step in my direction, and together we will work things out. That's why at Calvary, one of our convictions that we talk about a lot is that we wanna be a place where you can belong before you believe. You can come and be a part of our community and kick the tires and learn who Jesus is as you grow in your relationship with him. You see, the invitation that Jesus makes all throughout the gospels and the invitation that he's making to each one of us today is come follow me. But I think we often ask the wrong beginning question. We, we start to ask, do I know enough? Or we start to wonder, do I actually have my life together? Or what about that stuff that happened when I was a teenager? And instead Jesus says, 
that's fine, we can deal with that. But the most important question to ask at the beginning is, am I following Jesus? Jesus extended an invitation to follow to every kind of person around. And it shocked the Pharisees and the other religious leaders. Jesus extended an invitation to follow to the rich and the poor, to the spiritual and the unspiritual, to the religious and the not religious, and the list goes on and on. And so one day Jesus was walking along and he encountered four men and he invited them to follow him and it was the beginning of the church. It comes in Matthew chapter four, starting with verse 18. And here's what it says. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once, they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. These four men on this day became the very first disciples of Jesus. Now disciple is just a churchy way to say follower. They're the very first four who take up Jesus's invitation to follow him. And what I want you to notice is that it happens immediately. They don't go put in their two week notice they don't go and make a list of pros and cons. They go, don't go even take care of any other business. They don't go try to get their act together or try to come up with a, a cleansed resume that looks better than it actually is. No, Jesus invites them to follow and they do on the spot. And that same sort of invitation is for you and for me. But here's the thing. I think today we miss what following really means. And one of the reasons for that is 3.2 billion people on earth are following someone on social media. It's an amazing stat, 3.2 billion people around the world. That means 42% of the entire population of the globe that includes every little country that you can't even pronounce. 42% of people are following someone on social media. But what does that actually mean, right? On social media, it's really easy to follow someone. You just click a button, suddenly you're following them. And you get to see what they write. And maybe the best thing is you get to see pictures, right? People post fun pictures of their vacations and people post pictures of their kids going off to the first day of school. It's always great to see. For some reason, people like to post what they're eating for dinner. I'm not sure why that is. And along the way, if you wanna engage with them, you can click a button and give a thumbs up or a little heart, right? And that's what we call following. It's like the easiest process ever. Following takes no effort. It takes no commitment. 
And that, I think, has become what we think about, what it means to follow someone. But you know, when Jesus calls us to follow him, he has a completely different idea of what this means. He has a completely different intent for us. He's not just calling us to like him. He's not just calling us to admire him. He's not just calling us to be a fan of his. Instead, he's calling us to actually dig in and to follow him each step of the way. It's not just casually paying attention. It's actually turning around and going all in for him. Look at Luke 9, 23. Jesus says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That sounds a lot harder and more involved than just clicking a thumbs up, right? You need to change your direction. You need to follow a new leader. And along the way, you need to take up your cross. That sounds painful, right? Jesus is saying, change your direction. Let me show you the right way to live. Follow me where I go. You see, following means staying close to him, deferring to him, learning from him. And it's in that process of being in his presence day by day, following his footsteps, that we are impacted and influenced by him so that we become the people he intends for us to be. As we learn from him and watch him and learn his heart and his values, it changes us from the inside out. Now, I think too often, again, we get this in the wrong order. We think, I need to clean up my act first. I need to figure things out on my own. And then when I get to the right spot, then I can finally follow him. And Jesus says, no, that's wrong. Start by following me. And over time, I will make you more like me. You know, whoever you spend the most time with, whoever you listen to as the authority in your life, well, it has a profound effect on who you're becoming, right? And and what your life looks like and your outlook on things. I mean, think of a, a very negative person that you decide to spend a lot of time with. I mean, inevitably, you become a more negative person, right? Or somebody who's incredibly optimistic and hopeful and has a lot of hope for the future, well, then suddenly you find yourself becoming more hopeful and more positive and more optimistic. Whoever we choose to spend time with, whoever we let speak into our lives, really sets the direction of our life. That's why it's so problematic when we decide to follow a celebrity or a politician, or a fad, or a trend. You know, the truth is every one of us, no matter who we are, follows somebody or something. And that impacts our values, our choices, and our goals. And so Jesus says, turn around from all of those things. Change your direction and follow me. Now, one day, a man that's now commonly known as the rich young ruler comes to see Jesus, and he asks him a big question. He says, Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? 
But that's not all, he gives him his resume. He says, I have kept every rule and every commandment in the Old Testament since I was a little kid. Like I am the most stellar student around. I have an impeccable resume. So is there anything else I need to do? And here's what Jesus said in Matthew 19, verse 21. He says to this man, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Now, perhaps you've read this interaction before, and I think oftentimes we get tripped up by it because we think it's all about money. Now, like Jesus is saying, go cash in all of your investments, give it all away, and we're like, I'm not sure I'm ready for it, so I'm either gonna ignore it or I'm gonna pretend like it means something else. But I think there's much more to this interaction that speaks to every one of us today because the heart of what Jesus is getting at is the difference between being just a fan or an admirer of Jesus and being an actual follower of Jesus. This rich young ruler was a good and moral man. But what we learn here is that that doesn't necessarily make you a follower of Jesus. There are so many good and moral people in the world, but we're called to so much more than that. See, the big issue here is that this man had something in his life that he loved more than Jesus. And when Jesus asks him to give up this specific thing, he chooses to walk the other way. He decides it's not worth it. He decides he's not able to do it. And you see, that's where the dividing line is for him. Following Jesus means letting go of other things. It means no longer following after anything else, whether it's another person or an ideal or an achievement or power or a dollar amount. Jesus wants us to let go of whatever that thing, and it might look different for every person here, but whatever that thing is that we're holding on to, he says, let go, change your direction, and follow me. See, the thing about Jesus is we don't have to clean up our act first. We don't have to build up our resume first. But following him will cost us something. Remember, he said it's taking up our cross daily. Following Jesus will cost us whatever gets in the way of giving our life to him. And nothing should be off limits. Whether it's our money, our possessions, our attitudes, our habits, our politics, whatever that thing is, nothing should be off limits. But you know, the story actually doesn't end there. If you read on in Matthew 19, Peter, we can always count on Peter to speak up, right? He goes to Jesus and he's like, Jesus, just wanna make sure you've recognized we gave up everything to follow you. I mean, what's in it for us? And Jesus, you can imagine, kind of rolling his eyes, says, Peter, 
I realize your surrender, and because you have surrendered, because you have chosen to follow me, I will bless you in this life and the next. I think so often we're afraid to loosen our grip. We're afraid to give up that thing that brings us security. We're afraid to give up things of this world. But remember, just like Jesus is telling Peter, you can't outgive God. He promises that he will bless us beyond what we can imagine when we choose to follow him. See, church, I think we've embraced a social media type of gospel in America. We like and we look and we admire but we're hesitant to fully commit and follow. When Jesus calls us to do something hard and challenging, it's easy to be like the rich young ruler and decide to go our own way. You know, Jesus, you can have part of my life, but don't touch my bank account. Don't touch my grudges. Those people hurt me badly. Jesus, don't touch my pride. I'm okay believing in you, but that's about as far as I wanna go. Don't ask me to actually change my life. And yet again and again, Jesus' simple invitation is come follow me. Now I wanna share a couple important things about following Jesus with you. First, following is relational. One of Jesus' most shocking invitations was to a man named Matthew. Matthew was seen as a traitor to his people. He was one of the most hated men in his community because he was a tax collector. You see, the the way this happened is people would bid on the right to become the tax collector for a community. And what that meant is you had to collect taxes on behalf of Rome, and then they said, you can keep whatever else you can get. And so these people, they were usually high-powered people, would bid for the right, and they would become incredibly wealthy. And you can imagine how all of the neighbors and the community would just hate them and see them as traitors to the Jewish people. So one day Jesus is coming along and sees Matthew and he goes up to Matthew and the disciples are like, this is gonna be good. He's gonna give it to him. He's gonna go up and say, man, your mom must be proud of you today. But that's not what he says, right? He says, come follow me, and everyone else is in shock. The disciples are thinking, does this mean he's with us? Because I'm not sure I want him to be with us. And Matthew doesn't say, well, I need to go check my books. I'm not sure I can afford it. Or can you give me a month to cash out or anything else? It says he immediately, at that moment, turns around, changes direction, and follows Jesus. And Jesus' other followers are thinking, it can't be this easy, can it? But you see, the invitation to follow Jesus is an invitation to be a part of his circle. It wasn't primarily about belief or behavior. It was about a relationship. Jesus didn't say, well, if you get your act together first, if you go and pay all your debts back, if you go take care of all of these things, well, then you can follow me. No, he says, Matthew, right now, follow me. Come close, spend quality time with me, 
And you know what? That's the same invitation that Jesus extends to you and to me. Come follow me. Come spend time with me. And I'll show you what life is about. Another thing about following is that following is about a direction, not a destination. See, I think we love to put together checklists. We love to figure out, all right, what do I need to do to achieve this thing? And then I can be on to the next thing. We often put faith into that kind of category. All right, just tell me the things to do. I'll check them off the list. Then I can get back to real life. I think it's one of the big problems that we see in the American church today. We love milestones, right? So baptisms and confirmation and marriage. And we, we think, well, we can check those things off. They're kind of like little graduations. And then I'm going to get back to my everyday life. But you see, faith is not about a destination as much as it is a direction. Jesus wants to show us how to live. He wants to help us direct our entire life. And we don't graduate until one day we get to go live with him forever in heaven. That's why here at Calvary, we love to say following Jesus is a growing experience. It doesn't matter if you've been a believer for 55 years or 55 days. There's still another step to take. You can still grow in your faith. Now, another thing I think we often get wrong is we need to remember that following rules does not create the relationship. Again, Jesus invites us to follow before we get our act together, but oftentimes we think, well, I need to follow the rules first and then maybe he'll allow me to be in his presence. But rules don't create the relationship. Instead, It's the relationship that compels us to do the right thing, right? It's it's like in marriage. You could have both people in a marriage have all of the principles of marriage from scripture and every day they could check that list and they could still have a horrible relationship. It's entirely possible, right? So when I think about my marriage, I don't get up in the morning with my phone and think, okay, here's the six things that I have to do today. No, it's because I love my wife that compels me to do the things I need to do, right? The rules don't create the relationship. It's because we're invited into a relationship that we want to do what we're supposed to do. Jesus says, take a baby step even and start to follow me. And if you follow me for any length of time, you're gonna see your life change as I work in and through you. If we start loving Jesus, we just naturally want to live his way. We naturally want to do what matters to him. As we finish out our time together, I want to leave you with an invitation and a promise. And they come from Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. Jesus said to his first followers, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So let's start with the invitation. The simple invitation is follow me. And that's an invitation for every person today. 
It doesn't matter what your story is. It doesn't matter your history. It doesn't matter if you have a deep, dark secret that you hope never, no one will ever find out about. Jesus's invitation is come follow me. Even people who don't have it all together. I mean, think about the disciples that Jesus called in the gospels. They definitely did not have it all together. They were dysfunctional. They had messed up lives. They were ordinary sinners. And so you can come with your doubts, your questions, your baggage. And Jesus says, just come and follow me. Surrender yourself, change your direction, and walk with me. You know, in fact, when you think about it, there is only one requirement at all to follow Jesus. One requirement of every one of us. And that requirement is we have to be sinners. It's the only requirement to follow Jesus. Remember, Paul says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. He's inviting you, follow me. But then there's a promise and the promise is, I will make you. If we do the following, he will do the making. He's not asking you to figure it out. He's not asking you to fix everything on your own. He's just asking you to come close and to walk with him, hang out with him. And over time, he will rub off on you. Spend quality time with Jesus. Come to worship, get in a small group, spend time in the Bible, spend time in prayer. You know, the more time I spend with Jesus, the less I wanna do the things I used to do because something happens on the inside. If you do the following, he'll do the making. Philippians 1.6 reminds us, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. God's faithful. You do the following and then he's gonna do the hard work. So church, what are you waiting for? Jesus is inviting you to a great adventure. You see, Christianity is about so much more than just believing. It's about following. So I wanna invite you to come back next week and the following week and the following week as we continue to look at what it means to be followers of Jesus. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks for your amazing grace, for your endless mercy, for your creativity, for your power, and for your invitation to each one of us. God, we thank you for this clear invitation to follow Jesus. God, help us to relax our grip on things of this world. God, help us to change directions, to take a baby step of faith and to follow him. God, help us to remember to spend quality time with Jesus every day. And then God, we believe through your Holy Spirit's power that you will transform us 
into the people you want us to be. God, help us to be followers and not just fans, not just admirers. God, help us to truly be your followers. So God, we pray these things boldly in the powerful name of Jesus. And let's all say together, amen.